Hello and welcome to the ARC Podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Joy. On today's episode, we talk with Rochelle Decker. She is the author of three Tyndale books, The Choosing, The Calling, and her latest book, The Returning. Rochelle is the oldest daughter of New York Times bestselling author Ted Decker, and she talked to us about what it was like to become an author for the joy and love of writing, and how she's developed as a writer through this series, and some of the discoveries she's made along the way. Yeah, it was a great conversation. We got into the, uh, the, the process of writing, her process, how she um, wrote the trilogy, basically, how some of it was mapped out, some of it was just spur of the moment. It was really fascinating to see what her process was behind the books. Mm-hmm. And so we're encouraged to tell you that now you don't have to wait uh, for the next book to come out. The trilogy is complete. You can find those anywhere books are sold. And we encourage you to um, find Rochelle um, on our website, Twitter, and Facebook, and we'll share more with, with you at the end of the podcast. I hope you enjoy the episode. So, Rochelle, thank you so much for joining us today on the ARC podcast. We're really excited to have you. Thank you. Um, well, I just want to jump right in. Um, we always ask people, what made you become a writer in the first place? Like, tell us about your background and how that led to you becoming a, a writer. Yeah. Well, I think I always had kind of an insatiable desire for story. I was the girl in the library who, you know, tucked herself into a corner, would read for hours and hours, and my mom had to force me to go outside and leave my bedroom. So um, discovering truth through story has always been something I did really well, and connecting to kind of um, fictional characters and seeing myself in them was something that I just have always really loved. And when I was, I had just finished a Nancy Drew Hardy Boys collaboration novel, because there were several of those, um, which I was really into. I was probably 12 and thought, you know what? I bet I could do this, which is a ridiculous thought to have at 12, but also, I guess, kind of normal. 12-year-olds basically think they can do everything. <laughs> so I sat down and wrote my first um novel then really it was like 80 pages so not really a novel but in my mind it had like a beginning a middle and an end it felt complete um and kind of from there the bug never really went away so i wrote all through high school kind of short story form got into some other things decided maybe writing full-time wasn't realistic wasn't um actually feasible to make money doing something like that to get a big girl job, went to college, studied communications, thought I might go into psychology, ended up in um, technological recruiting, which is totally different, <laughs> kind of in an administrative slash recruiting role, really loved that and enjoyed it, but could never really get away from that kind of desire to create and write, and so decided to kind of try my hand at it again some my junior year of college, took a creative writing course. Um, with an incredible professor, Dr. Cronus, at Trevecca Nazarene University. And uh, through that year and into my senior year and into my first couple years in the workforce, just wrote basically, you know, 20 hours a week. So I was working full-time, writing part-time. I was incredibly busy. And at some point, that just turned into a determination to not stop until I was published. And thankfully, that happened a couple <laughs> years ago. So 
yeah, I think I always had it in me. Obviously, Ted Decker's my father. So watching him travel this um, road has been incredibly um, impactful on me. But I wouldn't say having my father as a writer was the reason I started to write. The reason I started to write was because I just love story so much. And the expression that story allows us to um, give and receive and the impact it has on the soul and on emotions and on the mind. I just don't really think there's another art form. Well, I think all other art forms are story in some sense anyways. So I just, yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> I, I notice it's a theme with a lot of the writers we talk to where um, maybe they discovered their love for it at a young age, but there was always some thing that started it, but then it never leaves them. It's like almost yeah. like a bug or like a virus that stay, and it's always like pecking at you. Uh -huh. You need to be writing or uh, to, to really fulfill a part of yourself. So it sounds like that's similar. With Absolutely. And you kind of start to feel guilty the older you get that you aren't writing. You're like, you should be writing. What do you mean you're doing homework? You should write. <laughs> to all my professors out there, that's why I didn't turn assignments in on time. I was writing. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it kind of, I think it's a really interesting gift to have and an interesting desire to have, and you feel as though you're wasting it a little if you don't respect it enough to practice, um, and that becomes an essential tool in building the discipline to actually make writing a career, because you have to practice and be disciplined to practice. But yeah, you do, you kind of feel the little bug, the little voice in your brain. And then when you don't write for weeks at a time, feel the kind of depressed and you're like, I just need to like write something, anything. <laughs> you get really dramatic. We're all very dramatic. Um, so definitely, I, I definitely agree with that. Mm -hmm. So Rochelle, your uh, third book in the Seer series just came out. And I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about the series, go through each of the books, kind of the development, and talk about what the inspiration was for doing a three-part series. Well, when I started writing, I didn't really know it was going to be a trilogy. I, I signed a contract for three novels, so I knew I was going to write at least three. I kind of had this idea of starting with the choosing, which was very clear. Book one, in my mind, and that story was always... Um, very transparent. I knew exactly what that was going to be. And then book two, I was going to kind of go back in time and explain how we got to the choosing. And then book three, jump way forward in time. And it wasn't, they were going to be part of a series, quote unquote, but um, also standalones. This was my grand plan. <laughs> and that failed miserably. <laughs> and so, um, but after writing The Choosing and working with the Tyndale team um, and the acquisitions team over there, which is fantastic, decided to take more of a traditional trilogy approach where each story built on the one before and um, gave it a different feel so that each story centers around a different character. So we have kind of a different protagonist in each novel going on a spiritual, emotional journey of redemption for them, specifically dealing with different themes that surround identity. Um, and the first one kind of came out of a question that my 
um, agent asked me if you were, were going to leave a message with your two younger sisters, what would you want them to know? And it came back to me reflecting on my own struggles as a young woman, as they were both, one was getting ready to enter high school and one was getting ready to enter college. And just thinking back to all the pressure there is on young women to feel like they're enough, like they're worth it. And then this idea of getting picked by a boy and, or by anyone, by society, by friends, by the, the right career, by um, a future husband. And what if women believed as I believe we really are, um, what if they believed they were not only enough, but were already picked by the only love that actually matters at the end of the day, and that's the Heavenly Father. How different then would their power be? What kind of confidence would that give them to change the world, essentially? So I wanted to kind of go with the theme of identity because it was very prevalent, not only in my life at the point, but also in my younger sister's lives and basically every single person around me. Um, and wanted to do something fun, wanted to do something that was young adult because the theme worked really well and it was for my sisters, wanted to do something dystopian. I just landed there. I kind of was going sci-fi, kind of dystopian, not really sure, and decided, oh, what if I do post-apocalyptic and the whole world is, you know, <laughs> over and we're having to start from scratch. And there's like this evil, you know, like biblical doctrine and there's, you know, like all of these stations. What if I throw in class systems and what if I, and it just kind of developed from there. And it became a series about a society that exists after a post-apocalyptic event, after the world's kind of destroyed itself. And they're trying to rebuild. And this overarching, um, very um, demoralizing kind of hierarchy is taken over and told everybody where they belong and how much they're worth. And women all become worth only um, only they're only worth something to society if a man picks them as a bride. Um, and so we find in the first novel, our first protagonist, Carrington, where the story really starts with her going to her choosing ceremony, which um, is this mechanism designed in society to be picked by a man, to be a wife and to have children and to kind of do her part. And she doesn't get picked right in the first moments of meeting her. Um, even though she did everything she was supposed to, even though she followed all the rules, um, she just doesn't get picked. Sometimes that just happens for no reason in real life. You just feel like you got looked over for, and, and you can't understand it and you kind of beat yourself up. And so I wanted to um, enhance that feeling and that leads her on this massive journey of self-discovery as she is shipped out of the city to live with the unchosen, the lints, as we call them. I call them, um, kind of outside of the city. And she's given a menial job, um, like sewage containment. And she thinks her life is now just going to be this. She's not allowed to get married by law. She's not allowed to have children because she is marked as unworthy because um, a man wouldn't pick her. That's the way the rules work. Um, and regardless, or I'll, behind the scenes, there's kind of this soft rebellion starting by this crazed desert man named Aaron who's speaking of a message of maybe everything you believe is wrong and maybe you're worth so much more than 
you believe and more than society says you are. So she goes on this crazy journey to discovering that. And along the way, we meet Remco, who becomes kind of a love interest for her. Well, definitely a love interest for her. And book two, we take his journey of discovering identity um, through fear. How do we let go of fear to really and really understand who we are? And then in book three, without giving too much away, um, we jump forward quite a bit of distance and we follow a third character who's very much connected to Remco and to Carrington and their story as she goes down the journey of forgiveness and how does forgiveness affect identity and how do I forgive authentically. Um, and so the whole series takes place in this world that I created. It's all in the future um, and it starts and, and ends so from beginning to end, it's about 20 years or so. Um, so we do, you know, go over a, a good chunk of time. And man, it was a whirlwind to write. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> now, did, did you sort of map it all out beforehand? Or did you kind of figure it out as you were going along? Yeah, I mean, I had no idea how book three was going to even start when I finished book two. So, <laughs> not, <laughs> so if that answers your question, yeah, I knew um, what basic theme. So I always tell people, they ask me what my first step is as a writer when approaching a novel. And for me, it's figuring out what is the message, the theme. What am I going to write about here? What do I want people to take away? What do I want the protagonist to learn? What are we going to learn with them? So you pick a theme. Um, so obviously I wanted it to be about identity. The first one about self-worth, the second one about fear, the third one about forgiveness. Mm. And, um, from there, I kind of wanted to wrap it up in a way that was really fun and interesting to read. The first one was really the easiest to envision of the three, which I think is probably true of a lot of trilogies. And then, you know, book two and book three. Yeah. I kind of mapped out. Once I decided to go traditional trilogy, I was definitely thinking about book two and book three as I was finishing writing book one, and then thinking about th book three as I was writing book two. But a lot of it you just make up on the spot. And then you're like, oh, wow, that's really convenient that I wrote that. Because <laughs> I'm going to use it now. I think people assume, like a J.K. Rowling who wrote seven Harry Potter novels, that she knew everything that was going to happen because there's so many tie-ins. But I think... Like the muse, or obviously I believe the Holy Spirit kind of things happen in a way that set you up to have some killer like punchlines at the end. And you're like, whoa, that was so not me. Like I did not do that on purpose. Um, but that creative energy is kind of on your side. It's like working with you. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, so some of it was outlined, but a lot of it would just fall into place. And I'd be like, wow. I am way cooler than I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find any one of your novels was difficult to write? Of the three, yeah, the third one was definitely the most difficult. And I think that's because I loved the first two so much and they did pretty well um, with my readers. So I, I think there's a lot of pressure. You know, once you, you, <laughs> you have all these pressures as a writer, when you first start writing, it's just for the love of writing because you love to write. And then you get a contract 
for some of us. And now you have money associated. So you deal with how do I write under the pressure of, I've already paid partially for this novel and how do I set all that aside and just write for the love of writing again. And then you write more novels, even though you, you know, and, and now you're having to live up to the expectations of the novels you've previously written. And so I think the third one, just because I had two novels out now, I was trying to, I wanted to make sure I wrapped it up, make sure I didn't leave people with these, you know, huge questions, make sure I didn't leave anything out. And I wanted it to be stronger and have like a real punch um, at the end to kind of end the novel with a bang. I've read many trilogies where the first one's good and the second one's kind of like, ah, and the third one's like a missed opportunity. So I just, I think there was so much fear that I would get caught in the same trap. So it took me a while to get out of my own way to write that novel. Um, I definitely had the most rewrites, the most second guessing myself, but it was really good to go through because now I feel more confident going into writing what's coming next. Mm -hmm. But it was, yeah, of the three, that one was, it was a doozy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it really, I liken it to a race, you know, half marathon or marathon where, you know, you're really excited at the beginning, all the adrenaline's going, middle of the race, you're like, okay, I trained for this, like, this is good, I'm feeling it, but I know I have, you know, the experience, and then the end, you're like, I just gotta get done with it, and it's just like, every mile counts, Um, but I really do think that, you know, pushing through to the end shows first your, your depth of maturity and character, and then also in your profession, and like you said, your confidence has grown, and you know, for me running races at the end, I'm like, okay, I can do this. Like I can yeah. again, you know? So yeah. it helps. The experience is worth it. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. You know, my my favorite trilogy is the Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> yes. Uh you do you have your version of Ewoks in there in the last <laughs> book? Did you have to throw anything in there for the No it's happy? I should have because with all the new Star Wars craze, it would have been timed perfectly for like a really good selling point. Yeah. But um, no, I did not. I do, I do love Star Wars though. Um, maybe I'll put Ewoks in a future novel, like my version of furry woodland creatures. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they're a lot more than that, but they're so cute. Did you ever see the Ewoks movie? Yes. Oh, <laughs> that movie. People trash it, but they're so cute. Why would you not want an entire movie about Ewoks? I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, it's I, I liked it at the time, but I don't know if I could go back to it. Yeah, you're right. The cinematography now and the special effects would probably be yeah hard to swallow. So do you do you have any uh, preview or like teaser for what you're working on next? Yeah, um, I can. I can say that I'm going to do something totally different, that it's not going to be young adult or dystopian. Um, I'm going to try my writing chops at more of a psychological thriller-ish kind of move, which is very different. Uh, Well, not that different for me, but um, it's going to be different from where I've been, but I think there are enough psychological elements in the Seer series that my fans won't be. I think they'll still really like it, just a little bit different, pretty more mature. Um, I'm really excited about it though. That's actually one of the reasons I'm flying down to Chicago here in a couple of weeks to meet with the Tyndale team and 
just talk about what's next, but I'm going to be around for a while. So mm, That's so exciting. It's really neat to see how the Lord has been faithful in giving you a gift and then in giving you opportunity yeah. because it's not always linear. It's not always like in the time we think, but it's rare that we talk with authors so young. You know, I was talking to Adam. I was like, she's around our age. It's so fun, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, because it's it's typically you know later in life or like after you've had a whole long career. And we know that you you've had a career before this, but it's really neat to do it when you're still young to especially like reach a young adult's audience like this and then also develop as a writer for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, it's fun because I get to, they say a lot of authors, Stephen King is one of them. They say that it takes you eight to 10 novels to really find your voice. Mm -hmm. So um, I published three, but I wrote four before this. So I'm kind of headed into the, you know, eight plus full length novels written for me and so I feel like I'm getting to really kind of lock into my niche and what I'm really good at what my strengths as a writer are and my weaknesses are so I can either avoid those or work on those be um, you know kind of conscious of what those are and always trying to strengthen them but then really build stories that play to my strengths and in genres I really love and so that's been really fun because I think at the beginning, you're just like, I'll write anything. Like, I just want to be writing. I just want to be published. Like, what does the market need? I'll do that. And now, not that I didn't want to write dystopian. I absolutely did. But now I get to kind of take a deep breath and be like, all right, what, what do I want my legacy as a writer to be now at this season? And how is it going to change? And so, yeah, it's been to get to do that young and not be so stuck in my ways and willing to change and expand is really fun for me as a creative because I get to do kind of whatever I want and, and, and fail on some and succeed on others and find my way, um, you know, to the stories that I really feel like, you know, the father wants me to tell. So it's been, a, it's been an awesome journey. I mean, ups and downs for sure, but I just feel incredibly blessed that I still get to do this because, you know, I mean, I'm still getting paid to do it. So I don't have to like do something else as well. Cause I did that for a long time. So it's just been incredible. And this is probably like a lifelong career. You could yeah. right into I your, to the end of your life. Yeah. So Tinto kicks me out. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm planning to just kind of like pitch a tent over there. You know, I can just sleep in a conference room or something like I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, try and be a part of this team for a long time and just keep writing so That's so good so Rachel, if people wanted to find you online you know what what's the best way for fans to connect with you and learn more about you they can uh obviously hit me up on facebook my author page rochelle decker underscore author or rochelle decker author oh now i forget which one it is i think it's just rochelle decker author actually um at facebook and then instagram is just rochelle decker i'm always I'm a big, I'm really into Instagram because I really like to take selfies because I'm young. <laughs> so, and I have a really cute cat and she looks really cute in all my photos. So come follow me and my cat. We're always on Instagram. Um, and then sometimes Twitter, Rochelle Decker as well. So your, I'm online. Is your cat around right now? Somewhere. She's hiding. So 
in in real life because IRL, my cat knows what a camera is now because I torture her. <laughs> say that online, someone's gonna call like Pete and I'm gonna be in big trouble. But so when I pull my phone out, even if it's not to take a photo of her, she thinks it is to take a photo of her and she hides. <laughs> really? <laughs> so getting photos of she'll be doing the cutest thing and I'll try and sneakily snag up no. Forget it. She knows. She's smart. She's smart and she's over it. She's like, I didn't sign a waiver for this. You can't just take my photo and post it online. So she's not around right now. She's hiding. I was hoping we could get a cat. We've never had a cat on the podcast, so that would have been a... I know. That would have been nice. A great first, yeah. She would, yeah. She'll... I'd get her up here and you wouldn't be able... She wouldn't sit still and she wouldn't make any noise. And then the second I get off, she'll just meow for like the next half an hour, you know. Of course. Well, maybe yeah. take two. Ne- next project you're working on, we'll interview you, and we can feature Blair as the... Um... <laughs> I'll prep her. I'll get her yeah. ready. <laughs> That's great. Well, Rochelle, thank you so much for spending time with us. We really appreciate you and all that you're doing for Tyndale. And everyone can check out your... They're lucky if they just discovered you now, because now all three books are out. They don't right. have to wait. It's yeah. perfect time That's to go out and... Get all three books and they can get them anywhere books are sold or go to yep, com. Mm-hmm. absolutely i thank you guys so much for having me it was a joy to talk to you all right. yeah thank you very much thank you Rochelle. see you later bye bye, bye.